Good morning. Good to see all your smiling, beautiful faces this morning as we have come together and gathered to worship God today. Uh, if you would, take just a moment to take those uh, friendship pads at the end of your pews and put your name in them and pass them on down the line. If you see a name you don't recognize, try to remember that name and speak to them afterwards and welcome them here today. We are so glad that you're here. We're so glad for all of those who are joining us online. Uh, if you're online, put your name in the chat so we you know you're here too, uh, so we can celebrate that you're with us this morning also. Uh, and one more thing I got to tell you, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. So, <laughs> love you. With that, I will turn it over to Bev Duane, our liturgist this morning. Good morning. A few announcements before we begin worship. Um, the United Methodist men did meet yesterday and 17 men came out for breakfast and to meet. And all men of the church are invited to the next meeting, which will be October 7th at 9 a.m. again a Saturday morning. So mark your calendars for that. Um, the Monday morning Bible study resumes tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. in the multi-purpose room. And if you need a Zoom link, please see Delane and she can make sure you get that. And today is the last day for the progressive dinner tickets. So if you want those, what you need to do is put your money in an envelope um, or your check and see one of the ushers because it's going to go into the golden slot in, in the narthex to get your tickets. And with that, can you please stand now as we enjoy our choral introit. to enjoy it. We celebrate the beauty of creation and the wonder of human family. We remember those whose love has shaped our lives and those whose struggles for justice have been unsleeping in spite of opposition. We gather to worship God, to share prayers and gifts, to pledge ourselves to God's work in the world. May God bless us so that what we do in this time together may be honest, sacred, and filled with love. And remain standing and join in singing, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, number 89 in your hymnal or on the screen.
extend the peace of Christ to your neighbor. You may be seated. At this time, I invite Kathy McAnally, a member of our creation care team, to sp uh, share a mission moment with us. Good morning, everyone. Uh, the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church has designated the month of September as the month to highlight and celebrate the season of creation. As we reflect on our individual and collective responsibilities to care for all of God's creation, it helps to be reminded of the Wesleyan principles stated in the United Methodist Church Book of Discipline. Part five of the 2016 edition of the Book of Discipline addresses social principles and the natural world. The preface and preamble to this section begin with this statement. All creation is the Lord's, and we are responsible for the ways in which we use and abuse it. The text continues by reminding us that water, air, soil, minerals, energy resources, animal life, plants, and space are to be valued and conserved because they are God's creation and not solely because they are useful to human beings. God has granted us stewardship of creation. We should meet these stewardship duties through acts of loving care and respect. The scope of climate change and the dire need to mitigate it are, at the very least, overwhelming for the majority of us to fully comprehend. However, if we stop to consider small practices we can incorporate into our daily lives that make a difference, we can begin to feel empowered to face these challenges. Recycling church bulletins, bringing use reusable bags on shopping excursions, avoiding the use of styrofoam, raising the thermostat one or two degrees during air conditioning season, or lowering it one or two degrees during the heating season, picking up and properly disposing that piece of trash we find on the beach while walking, prioritizing the use of less toxic household cleaning and gardening products, landscaping with native species. These simple and easy steps are truly examples of our Christian faith in action. These deeds are one means by which we can preserve the natural heritage that God has entrusted to us and to future generations. As we go about our daily lives, let us all try to remember these words from the Book of Discipline. Therefore, let us recognize the responsibility of the church and its members to support a more ecologically equitable and sustainable world leading to a higher quality of life for all God's creation. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. You've given us much to consider and pray over. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, creator of all, you created this world in love, and on this earth the word was made flesh, 
proclaiming peace and justice for all creation. You called human beings to till and keep your garden. You placed us into right relationship with each creature, but we failed to listen to the cries of the earth and the cries of the most vulnerable. We sinned against you by not safeguarding the conditions of life. We are saddened by the loss of our fellow species and their habitats, and we grieve the loss of human cultures along with the lives and livelihoods that have been displaced or perished. We ache at the ravishes of war and violence that we have inflicted on ourselves and on the earth. Lord, we confess that it's often easier to ignore all this and carry on with the life as we are living it. We ask for your help, your power, your spirit, so that we can amend our lives and grow more each day into the image of Christ, reaching out in love to those who are different, neglected, or lost. We pray for the strong and the weak in this congregation and for the spiritual health of all other churches in our community. As his people, God invites us to bring all our doubts and fears, our joys and our concerns, our petitions and praise, and we offer them up now in one voice. Bob. Lord, open our ears to your creative, reconciling, and sustaining word. Open our hearts to receive the living waters of God's justice and peace, and to share it with our suffering brothers and sisters, all creatures around us, and all creation. Bless us to walk together with all people of goodwill, so that the many streams of the living waters of God's justice and peace may become a mighty river all over the earth. In the name of the one who came to proclaim good news to all creation and who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And this is the time in our worship service when we have the opportunity to return a portion of what God has blessed us with. Ushers, will you please come forward to receive our morning tithes and offerings.
and compassion, we ask you to dedicate the tithes and offerings we bring before you. We do this in the hope that you will do more with them than we could ever do on our own to further your kingdom come. May we continue to be a church that honors God's creation and the people that live in it. This we pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. And remain standing as we sing an old favorite, This Is My Father's World, number 144 in your hymnals or on the screen. Our scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, Take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Lord God, what a blessing it is to be gathered together. Lord, we ask that you open our ears to hear, our hearts to feel, and our eyes to see. And may the words of your servant's mouth and a meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In a land, in a land far, 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 far away, there was a time in which everyone got along. People understood each other because they listened to understand. Where there was a problem between two people, they were able to talk about it and come to an understanding. The land was peaceful and calm. Sounds like a great fairy tale, doesn't it? We don't live in a world that is necessarily peaceful and calm where everybody gets along. Sometimes it's hard to even imagine such a place. Most of us know that if there is more than one person in a room, there is more than one opinion on some subject. Now, for some of us, we could be by ourselves in a room, and we will have more than one opinion on a subject. So if you ever hear me arguing with myself, it's okay, I'm just having a meeting. And if we all live long enough, which most of us have, we've met somebody that we've had to deal with that was disagreeable. That there was some issue that you just could not come to terms with between the two of you. There was some conflict that was there. Maybe it was because opinions were held as fact and law. Or even it may have been, it's my way, no other way, and there's the highway. But today Jesus is offering us a way to deal with the disagreeable. And Jesus gives us three options to deal with them, but he gives them in a very specific order. And Jesus, I know, does this for a very particular reason. Because I can see some people just dragging that person right here on a Sunday morning and saying, I've got a grievance. And I'm just airing it all out. But no, Jesus says that's the third thing we do, not the first. Jesus says, first, go to this person alone, together, just you and them. Now that sounds simple. Sometimes it's not that simple because sometimes that person won't pick up the phone that you're trying to set a time to sit down. Won't answer a text, won't answer an email to be able to have that conversation. I can almost hear in this storytelling with Jesus standing with his disciples and he's like, okay, here's, here's my lesson for the day. Here's how you deal with people. And once he hits that third thing of, you know, treat them like Gentiles and the tax collector, Peter's mind goes straight to that. He hears nothing else that Jesus says. So Jesus finishes speaking, and Peter goes, Oh, oh okay, I get it, Jesus. I, I go to the person by myself. We, we look at each other. I look at them and go, You did me wrong. And I wait for an apology and for an asking of forgiveness, right? I can see Jesus go, Peter... Peter, 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 how many times have I got to tell you you have to listen to the entire story? Here, let me tell you what I said at the end. You heard what I, heard, what I said at the beginning. Let me tell you what I said at the end. Where two or more are gathered, I will be there with you. 
Here, Peter, let me, let me say that again so you hear it again and, and you realize what I said. Where two or more are gathered, I will be with you. So when you go to that person that has done you wrong, you have a conversation with them, and you remember that I'm there with you. Now, Peter, Jesus saying this to Peter, you know, kind of kind of concerns me just a little bit because, you know, not too long, you know, Peter says something and Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. So Peter, you know, kind of just says what comes out of his mouth, what he's thinking. I do the same thing. See, my wife's agreeing with me. Sometimes there's no filter from the brain to the mouth and it comes out. I can hear Peter almost saying after Jesus reiterates this going, well, if you would have started with that, I'd have heard it first. And then I would have made sure that I understood. But see, Jesus didn't start out with that because he wants us to hear all of the story. He wants us to listen to every piece of it and then remember that I am there so this should change all our interactions and how we deal with people. Even dealing with ourselves. Because Christ is always with us. So Jesus says, go talk to them directly. Invite them to coffee. Invite them to share a meal together. Because we know how sacred a meal can be when we sit down and break bread together. We sit with that person. We ask them to listen to what we have to say. We air what we feel as the hurt, as the grievance, as the thing that is weighing heavy on our hearts. And then we have to be quiet, close our mouths, and listen to them. Because they may be feeling the same thing. They may have not intentionally done anything to harm you, but it felt that way. It's a conversation, not a call out. Jesus knows that people are not always going to listen. He knows some of us are very hard-headed. I'll admit, I am a hard-headed person. So Jesus gives a second step. That if this person won't listen to you, this person won't take your phone calls, this person just wants to have nothing to do with you, you go and have one or two witnesses and you bring everybody together that way. Now, I believe that the one or two that Jesus refers to is because not everybody has that one person between two people that they will listen to. And I'm talking about this person that is your BFF that can tell you straight up like it is and you will listen even though you want to punch their lights out because you know how hard it is to hear it. That's the person that you bring along with you. So each one of you get that person that will knock your clock off if you don't listen. And then you have a conversation and these two witnesses don't have an emotional connection to this like you do. So they'll hear it differently than you will. And then they are the interpreters. They are the mediators that help us understand one another. Sadly, Jesus even understood that this would not be enough. That sometimes even sitting down with two other people to help mediate it will not change anything. So Jesus gives one more option. Take it to the church. Now, this is not dragging them up to the altar on a Sunday morning and taking it to the church. Jesus, back in those days, the gathering was the church, and the gathering happened in houses, not in church buildings. The church began as a house church, as a small group of people 
10, 15, maybe 20 at the most. That is what I envision Jesus means when he says, take it to the church. Take it to the group that is the closest to you. The group that you worship with. This would be like the Wesleyan classes that's in the history of Wesleyanism and Methodism. A group of 12 or so people that you confess your sins to, that you hold each other in love and in truth and accountable. That is the church that I envision Jesus talking about. Because in that group, you are there to love on one another. You are there to not judge one another, but to help one another in everything that you do in your faith walk. It's about caring about one another. It's about living within the community of believers. And sadly, Jesus even knew that this would not work. That there would be some of those hard-headed, stubborn people that just would not want to listen to anything that anybody else had to say. And what Jesus tells the disciples to do with these people kind of seems a little harsh. Treat them as the Gentiles. Treat them as a tax collector. Treat them like Matthew, who sat in a booth and collected taxes. You didn't want to see him. You didn't want to make eye contact with him. Because the minute you did, you knew he was going to say, you owe me money. Jesus says, separate yourselves from them. But does he really? Because I have a question for you. Where did Jesus spend most of his time? Who did Jesus spend a lot of time with? The sinners, the Gentiles, the tax collectors. Mandy McDowell says, Jesus doesn't keep with the good ones. You know, the churchgoers, the faithful, the Pharisees, or the Sadducees. Rather, he relentlessly sought out and welcomed the marginalized and the shunned. Those that the church said, you're no good. And pushed them out. So what does it mean to treat somebody? like a Gentile or a tax collector? I think it's what McDowell writes. This encourages us to always reach out into love, especially those who are difficult, who are unrepentant, and who are beyond hope. To reach out in love. Many of you know that I am a Star Wars fan. <laughs> My office is covered in it. I have two Lego models of the Millennium Falcon, the old one and the new one. They were fun to put together. But within the Star Wars films, there's a group called the Jedi. And they're seen as mediators, as guardians of peace and justice of the galaxy. They're portrayed as peacekeeping philosopher warriors that didn't want to fight, but knew how to fight really, really well. As Anakin said in the beginning of one of the movies, we're going to have aggressive negotiations. But their guide was called the Force. And there was two sides to it, a good side and a bad side. The good side was accessed through knowledge, through patience, through calm, through focus, and through being at peace. The dark side was accessed through impatience, lack of control, fear, anger, and hatred. And in the movie, you had the good and the bad. Real life is not that simple. Because sometimes it's an ebb and flow. Sometimes we're good and sometimes we're bad. 
There's multiple facets to people that bring out different reactions and different emotions. There are those who look for the easy way out of everything. And a lot of times when it comes to conflict, the easy way out is to ignore it. To develop some kind of fear or hatred or anger towards that other person so that you have a reason to say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. But the easy way out is not the way out that Jesus is talking about. Jesus wants us to take the hard way. He wants us to build the relationship between one another. That means we have to talk. means we have to have conversation. We have to understand why each other think the way we think. Because each of us are uniquely individual and have different circumstances that we've been through and are going through. Now, if we get even more down to it and get kind of logical about what Jesus is saying... We can see maybe an if-then statement. If your brother or sister sins against you, then you do this. If that doesn't work, then you do this. If that doesn't work, then you do this. Sounds very simplistic. There is no wiggle room of what you do, but I think the end of what he said makes it much different than an if-then. Because he's not really talking about excommunicating these people. He's talking about reconciliation. About bringing each other back together. Bringing each other back into the body. Now, we can see a little more evidence in this by Peter's response at the end that we didn't read this morning, verses 21 and 22. Peter hears all of this, and then Peter came to the Lord. I can imagine, you know, the disciples over here discussing it, and Peter steps over to the side and goes, um, Lord, um, if, if any member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? How often? As many as seven times? I can just see Jesus just like, Peter... Why do you not listen to what I'm saying? He says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70 times seven. Now, if you're mathing right now, I can imagine Peter, you know, pulling out his abacus. Because, you know, he had to go, let's see, 77, seven. Wow, i got to do it that many times. And Jesus is just going... Oh, I'm glad I love you, Peter, because you're still not getting it. Because I'm not saying that many times. I'm saying as long as it takes. As long it takes to reconcile with your brother or your sister. So not seven times or 70 times, seven times, as many times as it takes. There is no set of limitations on how many times we are to forgive one another. Because we are human. We have free will. We have free thought. And I guarantee you, there is somebody that doesn't like the way you think. And I guarantee you, there's people that you don't agree with the way they think. But Jesus is telling us right here, how to reconcile with each other. I have three things to do before you even get to what Jesus says do. And the first of those is that you have to love. You have to love them the way that God loves you and loves them. That's the greatest two commandments, right? To love God first and then to love ourselves to love our neighbor as ourselves, get that backwards. Get your thoughts straight. 
We're to love God and then love our neighbors. The second is to practice what the Jedi practice, patience, calm, focus, and being at peace. We have to work on ourselves before we can go to others. And the third thing to do is to acquire knowledge. Increase our knowledge of our understanding spiritually, socially, economically, all those pieces that makes up who other people are that we live with and live around and live in community with. I think it takes those three things before we can actually sit down and have a conversation with our brother or sister. Because if we're not at peace and we are not calm, then it's going to be a bad talk, a bad conversation. So we walk through the steps that Jesus has put before us. We remember that in each step, Christ is with us. And our ultimate goal is reconciliation. Because we skipped the story about the lost sheep. The shepherd left the 99, left them in the pen, safe and secure, to go out and find that one. And when he found that one, he celebrated because he found the lost and was able to bring them home. That's what these instructions are about. It's about going and reconciling with our brother and our sister and then having a celebration when we're gathered again at home in the community of believers. And what a joyous day that will be. Let us pray. Oh God, we are so thankful for your instruction, for your guidance and for your leadership. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit, which is our force to go out and to be who you have called us to be. Lord, grant us patience and focus and calm in all that we do so that we can show the love that you have for us and for everyone around us. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final hymn is, They'll Know We Are Christians By Our Love. It's in our Small the Faith We Sing book. So let us turn to 2223 or on the screen and sing. Stand.
We'll walk with each other hand in hand. We'll work with each other side by side. We will love one another. Receive this benediction as we depart this place. Just as God has called us here, God now sends us forth. Just as God has joined us here, God goes with us now. So go with the power of God to love and to serve the world. And may the forces of evil become confused on the way to your house. Amen.